My name is Barry Allen, and I'm the fastest man alive. When I was a child, I saw my mother killed by something impossible. My father went to prison for her murder. Then, an accident made me the impossible. To the outside world, I'm just an ordinary forensic scientist, but secretly, I use my speed to fight crime and find others like me. And one day, I'll find them, find who killed my mother and get justice for my father. I am the Flash. I'm Chris Bybee. And I'm Eddie Webb. And, and today on Journalist, we talk about the Flash Redux. On John Ross. Hey, everybody. I'm, I'm hoping I did not blow out your eardrums because I realized that I pulled my mic very close to my mouth when I was doing my flash bit. And part <laughs> of me was like, Eddie, we should just restart it and let me redo it faster this time because i've read through it once now now i now i have it partially memorized um actually i it's funny because like i when i was much younger um i talked even faster than i do now which is frankly impressive um but like i grew up at the same time that um the micro machines guy was popular and that was his (laughs) stick because he talked fast so I, I have learned to read fast and he started doing it and part of me was like i see what you're doing you're doing a fast talking thing another part of me is going I bet you I can tap that speed. <laughs> so, should we just turn this whole podcast now into like a race and we both just keep redoing it to which find out which one of us does it faster? <laughs> well, I mean, this game is all about games. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> but to to go back to the Micro Machines, I too liked Blur in the Transformers movie. Yes. <laughs> and and um, I, I can never pronounce the guy's last name, um, but um, that same actor did blur again in uh, Transformers Animated 2007 uh, because I was I've been rewatching that recently, and I was like, oh my god, it's the same actor! It's amazing. Although he slowed down a lot, <laughs> not like it was in his youth. Because if I'm not mistaken, in your illustrious career as a writer game designer, creator of cute, adorable dog games, you also spent a small bit of your time, a fraction of your knowledge, working on another game, right? Um, There may have been a Transformers game at one point in my past, yes, in fact. Uh... What? <laughs> I, I'm shocked by that. Shocked if, and amazed. If someone wanted to, to talk about that, where would they come to talk to you about Transformers? And would you get royalties if we talked more about the transformers game that you crafted with your own two hands much how iron man built that suit in the desert you built the transformers <laughs> role-playing game alone there was no publisher no other company just eddie on a rock with bits and he formed the autobots and unfortunately the Decepticons. now i mean the, the short answer is, is no i got no royalties i didn't do any of that stuff but there are several different fan versions of Transformers role playing games that I have made throughout my life of various <laughs> degrees of good. <laughs> and by various degrees, I mean not at all. Um, so, so yes, there is a version of the Transformers game where I did craft it with my own hand. In fact, there's even one I made so you could use those little cards they had in the back of the boxes with the numbers on them and use oh. those as your character sheets. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. Oh, I love it. And if people have been listening to us for the whole time, I think they may have gotten with your own two hands from either being a prisoner joke or an Iron Man joke, depending on which one you'd like to go for. We, I think we've reached a point where like our inside references are becoming a singularity. <laughs> <laughs> 
Before we get on to the real reason we're here, I have to ask you the most important question about Transformers. Okay. Like, this is the one yes. that will establish everything. Okay. How did Rodimus Prime be worthy enough to use the Matrix of Leadership to become... Sorry, how did Hot Rod become worthy enough to use the Matrix of Leadership to become Rodimus Prime and replace Optimus Prime when you have Ultra Magnus already there? Literally, like, I am Prime second, or... In my personal opinion, they should have gave it to Jazz, and then we would have had Jazz Prime, or even Grimlock Prime. So, um, first of all, Jazz Prime is amazing, and that should be canon. Um, secondly, Grimlock was, in fact, leader of the Autobots in the Marvel Comics run. He even had a little crown he wore when he was <laughs> in charge of the Autobots, because he's that extra. Um but as to why Rodimus Prime was the leader, was worthy of it is because by being captured by Megatron, he proved that he doesn't have any ego getting in the way of his leadership. I don't know. I don't know. Man. <laughs> I, I, I like that, though. That, that's, that's solid. <laughs> if you hadn't undercut yourself, I would have given you another beat and moved on. <laughs> but now we now we know it's not real. No, no. It's... it's, it's, it's I... I like what they did with Rodimus Prime in the cartoon in like the actual season afterwards because like it was interesting to see a leader of the Autobots who wasn't completely all-knowing and was second-guessing himself and unsure of himself. I liked the, what they were going with it, but the actual setup and payoff make no sense. Oh, I thought you were going to say that you liked how they kept bringing back Optimus Prime as a zombie, then as like oh a virus God. carrier, plague. then as yeah. a... <laughs> There's actually, if you go to the Transformers wiki, uh, t- tfwiki. Uh, uh, com, it's dot uh, org, I think. Um, they actually have a web page that's just the many depths of Optimus Prime. It lists all of his deaths and all the media. It's just an entire page of it. It's amazing. So, do you want to know how they came up with the hate plague? No, I mean, yes, I do. I, can... I don't know how. <laughs> so, the Quintessons actually went to Earth and they captured one of the Smurfs who had bitten another Smurf on the tail. And then they took that Smurf and they diluted it down into oil. And then they injected the oil into Optimus and Optimus infected everyone else. So it all so, goes back to the Smurfs. So Smurfs are part of the the larger Hasbro continuity. Of course. It's it's a multiverse. The Hasbroverse, if you will. I actually, no, no shit today. Earlier today, we were talking, I was talking with another client about movies that are Hasbro properties. And someone trying to argue that, that Transformers was the first ever Hasbro property. And I had to remind them that no, Clue exists. So Clue <laughs> is part of the Hasbro cinematic universe with Transformers and G.I. Joe. I kind of love that. <laughs> now that you say that, that does make me want to do a special about the Clue movie. Honestly, I would love to talk about the Clue movie. And we can maybe even do a spinoff of the the British Clue television game show. What? Oh, I mean, I, I told you about this. Is. No. Um, for people listening, we will at some point get to the episode, I swear. But um, in the 90s, they actually did uh, a, a game show called Cluedo because IP law in the UK, whatever. Um, but what they did is that they would actually uh, – they get six actors to, to play through a scene for like about 10 minutes of video. And then uh, the, the contestants would – you know, try to figure out, you know, the, the different clues and you know, what, the, who did it with what weapon in what room. But they would bring the actors into the game show sets and ask them questions. And so the actors are not actors. They're still playing their characters. So these characters from like 
the vague twenties are now suddenly in nineteen nineties game show sets, acting like nothing is wrong with this. <laughs> And they're completely in character the whole time as these people are interrogating them as part of a game show. It's it's amazingly weird liminal space between non-player characters who can't parse things outside of their existence. It's it's it's, it's and and season three, Professor Plum is played by Tom Baker. Oh, <laughs> all right. I have I have to watch that now. <laughs> All right, but so the we're not here to talk about <laughs> any of that. And you, re- you even brought up our hated enemy company of Marvel when we're here to talk about the greatest, greatest of DC characters. Green Arrow. Best DC character that has ever existed. Hands down. Better than Green Superman. Arrow. Better than Wonder Woman. Better than Ollie Queen. We're here to talk about Cisco Ramon, a.k.a. Vibe. I'm sorry, I blanked out after you said better than Oliver Queen because I, there, there's nobody. I can't possibly think of anybody who's better than Oliver Queen. We're going to talk about Vibe and his buddy, Barry Allen. No, Vibe and the Ice Queen. Come on. <laughs> Killer Frost? I, I, Killer I know Frost, most that was of these, right. I know sorry. most of these characters from the comics, actually. All right, but we're, we're, we're on track. So today, folks, in case you didn't know, is... We've had a, a little bit of a break, and Eddie and I have not had a chance to really catch up. Hence the digression into Clue, and eventually trying to work our way back to the show. It, but it to be fair, um, well, also usually at this point in time we're talking about the powers, but we did already cover this stuff a while back when we did the first version of the Flash, and, and nothing's really changed. It's it's the Flash, so it's the same Flash, so we don't really need to cover that. So so we use that time more wisely. Uh, if anything, the only difference in this version is they have a little bit more of a budget and they lean more into the superheroics early on compared to the other show that waited so long. Yes. Yes. That, that is definitely something that um, this is definitely a show that's not afraid of a superhero origin of anything. It's the, the, the larger Arrowverse season one of Arrow went through all of that stuff we talked about with the Flash one. So now this, this leaves the Flash open to kind of just fully embrace that. And we'll talk more about that in episode one, I'm sure. But I mean, it right out of the gate, it's like, nope, we're a superhero show and we are leaning into this. And so Barry Allen actually showed up in season two of Arrow as sort of a, a little bit of a love interest for Felicity that really goes nowhere, like mm-hmm. fizzles out super quick. And he is just the forensic scientist. Right. Um, and technically it's a so i was about to say something and i realized obviously these term maybe not people know it's kind of a backdoor pilot but isn't but i don't know if anybody most people know what backdoor pilots are i think we mentioned we've mentioned them a couple times but if you want to get okay. like a breakdown now that we're we're back on track on course Right. Uh, so if you don't know, uh, a backdoor pilot is where um, some people have an idea for a show, but they don't want to necessarily cough up their own money for the show. Uh, so they work with a different show to introduce the concept and test it out in a different show's format. And if that seems to do well, then they then spin it off into its own thing. Um, so it's not a – it is a technically technically Flash the spinoff, right? Uh, it is a technically a spinoff from Arrow. Uh, but a backdoor pilot is something that is necessarily intended to spin off and may or may not spin off. Um, so there's, I, at some point it would be fascinating to go through and talk about backdoor pilots never went anywhere. But like, uh, for example, there was Star, the original Star Trek had a backdoor pilot in it. Uh, there was gonna, Lots of shows. Pit, 
Huh? I'm just going to add on that like lots of shows have had backdoor pilots for since Golden Girls spun off into Empty Nest, I believe. Yep. We had Small Smallville tried to spin off into its own Green Arrow show or Aquaman show that went nowhere. Mm-hmm. And Murder, She Wrote also tried to spin off into a couple other shows. And Highlander, for our Highlander fans, had an entire six season of spinoffs for almost all, all 10 episodes. None of them went anywhere. Uh, yeah, like even the original Star Trek, uh, Gary Seven um, was intended to be a a, pilot, a show, and it's never went anywhere. That would have been an awesome show, and I would have watched every single episode of Gary Seven. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so uh, uh, I, I don't think that was what happened here. I think it was meant to be more. They always knew they were making the Flash, and they just wanted to set up that no, this is going to be a bunch of interconnected shows. And holy crap, they get interconnected later. We're not there yet, but. Uh, that's the start of the nonsense that is coming. Well, it also helps build your initial fan base for whatever your new show is. Like they have Barry come in for an episode, like two or three episodes, and they make him very likable and affable, which Brent Gustin, I think, already is. Yeah. So that just sort of cements more people to try Barry's show than mm-hmm. what you'd have had if you'd just gone in cold. We're starting The Flash. Like, I don't know who Barry Allen is. Man. Right. Exactly. No, it's, it's a smart way to build it. It's like, a, if you like this show, you might like this other show. And it was also nice, and it's going to continually give Oliver, as you watch it, a contrast to Oliver being our dark, broody Batman and Barry being our light heart, almost, of their cinematic, of their TV universe, not cinematic. Yes, exactly. And the quick recap of Barry's powers, in case you're curious, because we already did all super speed. Uh, he can travel back in time. He runs fast enough. He can do cool things with his arm to make wind projections. He regenerates somewhat. And it's basically, he has the best superpower in the world, and it is called Plutonium. Whatever we need, super speed can do it. Yep. It's, it's... One thing I, I kind of have a soft spot for The Flash is that he's one of the few characters who started in the golden age of comics, went all the way through and never quite shed the sheer bonkers natures of golden age comics. Cause like if you read golden age comics, like Superman or even Captain America, their plots are just made up on the spot, right? Like, you know, they, I need to Thor, Thor is such a fantastic example of this. I need to go back in time. So I swing my hammer really hard and I go back in time because that's what the plot demands. That, that was comic <laughs> books in the fifties, right? That's just how it worked. And the Flash has always been like that, and it's it's amazing to me that we're now looking at this show that's done around 2007-ish, and it still kind of just does that. It's just like, yeah, Barry can just do this thing because we need him to do it, and that's kind of great. How else would it work? It's it's almost like magic, if you would. <laughs> right. <laughs> Any other thoughts at all before we actually start getting into the show proper? Uh, no, let's, let's get into it because most stuff I want to say, I want to... It's actually covered in the first pilot. All right. I guess we'll talk about the show now. <clears throat> Excuse me, listeners. Uh, we're doing it later in the day than normal. And I've had a day full of meetings. Right. And then, and, and Rich, or Chris has a deep allergic reaction to meetings. So that's why he's, he's, he's coughing is because it's actually, he's breaking out in hives from all the meetings he's had. And, you know, just speaking in general, it's not my thing. I'd rather sit in a darkened room and just write. What? You're a writer? I never would have guessed. What are the odds? Well, I am not like a, a world-renowned, multi-famous writer that gets to work on things like Transformers. <laughs> I, on the other hand, am a small indie writer who writes a blog and eventually people write it. 
Uh, episode one. <laughs> All right. My name is Barry Allen. I'm the fastest man alive. When I was a child, I saw my mother killed by something impossible. My father went to prison for a murder. Then an accident made me the impossible. Today, outside world, I'm just an ordinary forensic scientist. But secretly, I use my speed to fight crime and find others like me. One day, I'll find the killer, kill my mother, and get justice for my father. I am the Flash. Almost, almost had it. That was good. That was good. I know. It's that last line that always gets me. Season one, episode one, pilot. Barry Allen is struck by lightning during a storm created after the particle accelerator from Star Labs explodes. In a coma for nine months, Barry awakens in Star Labs, having been placed in the care of its founder, Harrison Wells, and his brilliant assistants, Dr. Caitlin Snow and Cisco Ramon. Barry learns that he can move at extraordinary speeds and that there were other metahumans created by the explosion. One of them, Clyde Mordron, is robbing banks with his ability to control weather. He's almost a weather master. Barry is outfitted with a suit designed by Cisco that can withstand high speed and stop, cr- and he uses it to stop cr- cr- criminals. He tracks down the thief with Detective Joe West, his adoptive father, who learns of Barry's abilities. Barry stops a crook who is killed by Joe so that he can save Barry. With his new powers, Barry vows to exonerate his father, Henry, who is incarcerated for murdering his wife, Nora, who Barry witnessed at a young age being killed by a speedster. He chooses the alias Flash for his alter ego. Well, secretly revealed to be neither paraplegic nor needing glasses. He reads a newspaper from 2024 stating this, the missing status of the Flash. Flash, Flash. Zoom, zoom. Zoom, zoom. Uh, so um, I don't want I, I, I kind of want to jump to the middle here just real quick um, because I think it's important to point out. The start of what will be quite a few cameos from the original Flash series um, that Henry is played by the guy who played the original Flash when we talked about him in the 90s. John Wesley Shipp, who is yes. an incredible actor, and I don't know why he didn't do more. I'm I almost, know. almost inclined to do research. Uh-oh. Almost. Wow, research. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it was... I, I, I want to bring it up because I think it's a good foundation for what you're going to see through this episode and through the series, which is that this is a team that really loved the flash as a character. And so there's lots and lots and lots of Easter eggs to people who know flash comics way better to think than I do. Um, but also watched and internalized the 90s show. There's lots of references to the original show in here. Um, that are way beyond just this will be a fun Easter egg. It's, no, these people really like that show, and I and and that love comes through even in this first episode. Very true. So, I guess where we're going to start, we will start with the accelerator itself, which is a great idea for how to start the show. Is having the accelerator explode and then basically pulling a Smallville is what they yeah. did mm-hmm. to have a. They, to use the term with uh, quotation marks, creature of the week kind of show where Barry and team will go and they'll battle one other better human. And Barry will learn at the end of the episode how Clark learned a lesson, but Barry always learns the same lesson. Run faster, Barry. Right. For every right. single one. Right. Um, and to a larger point, because we're talking about the Arrowverse as well, um, this episode is also how superpowers enter the Arrowverse. Like, 
the first season, I think actually two seasons of Arrow go by before we start this. Um, but like super superpowers are really thin on the ground at the start in Arrow. And the idea is that this accelerated explosion ultimately creates superpowers. This gets retconned and adjusted and danced around in later Arrowverse stuff. So it's not consistently true. But that's clearly the intent here. The clear intent is now superpowers exist. Yeah, that's like how Slade and Arrow isn't a meta from this, but he takes a drug that gives him superpowers. Or you have Damien Dark who shows up later, who is basically their version of an empowered Satan cruising around. Or right. the Lazarus Pit, which of itself is magic, which we talked about. Right, but that, but that's 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 not the same. Kind. Yeah, it, it's it, it, it's clear they had a goal here, but also again because they love the comic book so much, it's like, but we have to get these other references in and. Big two superhero continuities are always messy, and this is already getting a little messy. Um, but uh, but again, like it's 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 a neat setup. Like you know, it, it's um, we had Barry Allen show up about nine months ago on Arrow, and then now nine months go by, we're in a coma, and then he comes back up and realizes he has abs, which is the a most amazing line. <laughs> Lightning gave me abs is just peak Barry Allen in my head. So, um, before we get into Barry's abs, which you never see Barry, by the way, on the on the bar that Ollie does. I'm just saying, if he's a That's flash, true. he can do it super quick. It's Maybe true. he does it so fast, you don't see it. But oh, there you go. I want to touch on Barry's history and a little bit okay. of the comic aspect of it too. How it always starts with Barry witnessing his mother being killed, which mm-hmm. in of itself is a tired and overused trope. Which, if you haven't read Gail Simone, I would say go read Gail Simone. You can read. Her blog back from the day that talks about um, fridging women and how that is a motivator that is frequently used at the detriment of women. It's a great piece and a lot of her work is. So go read all that. Absolutely. Now, with that in mind, we'll go back to Barry's history. And Barry's history always involves like his mother's death. Even if you go back and read some of the original comics, his father's always arrested. And when I was reading through some stuff, I, I did maybe 20 minutes of reading for the show. Wow. And... You know, I'm, I'm here for you all. Reading the history, one of the things it points out is that Henry always says he's innocent. But when I was reading it, <clears throat> one of the points is, is that in an older era of comics, Barry goes into the prison. He's like a forensic scientist. He says, don't worry, Dad. I've got like this power. I didn't say power. I've got the ability, I think, to find out who really killed Mom. And having been worn down from being in prison so long, Henry admits to having killed killed his wife. <laughs> so later, it's retconned with the reverse flash and everything else. I want to say in the nineties or two thousands. Mm-hmm. And so, like that tidbit of history is just fascinating to me that you actually have this character that didn't do it, didn't do it, and for a decade hangs that story and Barry builds his entire life around it to then be worn down by the prison system. And say, all right, I did actually kill her. Which then makes you wonder how that would impact that character if they'd stuck with that and how that would have changed things. Yeah, um, and that's that's one of the reasons why I love comic books specifically and to a degree the Arrowverse is that idea of additive continuity, right? Like it's it's the – we talk about retcons, but retcons are – I mean it's literally retroactive continuity. So you're not really erasing continuity. You're just adding more onto it. Um, and sometimes that has the effect of removing it, but but it's never entirely gone. You know, there's there, there's still 
it's in a parallel universe or a what if or whatever. Um, and so I love that fact that a character develops so much history and it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds, and builds um, that how that shapes the character or doesn't in some cases. Um, I, I just find endlessly fascinating. And then when you have companies like DC who reboot their continuity every five years, um, but still kind of sort of reference it, like The Flash, it, it becomes real weird, but in some really fun ways. And if you're wanting a greater dive into retcons and its messiness, I would suggest you go and listen to uh, Jay and Miles explain the X-Men. Oh, geez, yes. That is a fantastic podcast. Comic book podcast out there. Yes. So we will fast forward now to to Eddie's favorite spot. I have abs. abs. (laughs) (laughs) The reason why, I I mean, I love it for a couple reasons. One, it's just a funny line. Two, it kind of lampshades the fact that all superheroes are in implausibly good shape, especially in, in live action continuities. But three, it, it, it cements a point that kind of goes with what I'm like. Part of the season one arc is what is, is, is Star Labs trying to figure out Barry's powers and where they came from and blah, 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 blah. But this scene kind of cements the core point, which is it doesn't really matter. Um, he got powers because he was struck by lightning and thrown through some chemicals. And then the show almost immediately goes, that wasn't the real reason. And then gives you, like, over time, several different, quote-unquote, real reasons. Because none of them matter. It matters is that this guy's a speedster now, and we get to accept that. Or get off the bus. <laughs> and if you if you can't get on the bus of, lightning gave me abs, then you just, this is not the show for you. <laughs> so, even as you're saying that, though, if I, I watched this a, a week or two ago now, but... Even in the initial scene where we have Barry running from the house, Barry runs a long way for someone that doesn't have super speed before he turns and looks back relatively quickly. Right. And part of that could be retcon that like the original Barry, this Barry goes and like moves himself out of the house, but that's not there right now. So it even has the fact that maybe, maybe a little wink that it wasn't really the lightning bolt and chemicals. Maybe he was always in touch with the speed force. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I really do love about the show, though, is that the even the actors that are on it love it so much that they keep coming back. The mother, the one who plays Nora, even though she has very small pieces and roles in this, she keeps coming back every time they basically ask her to. Mm-hmm. Like, that is dedication to a show and love for something. And they even write another role just so she can have a slightly larger part in the show. Like, that's 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 touching. Yeah, um, I... I have not watched every single season of The Flash, but I don't think they've recast hardly anybody in his entire run. Um, and uh, again, we'll, we'll get into it more later, but like there are more and more and more cameos from the original Flash show, and they aren't just one-shot things. Like they become like Barry's father is the established character, and, and and he sticks around for just about every season. With you know? different versions of him from different Earths, which I think right, is yes. like the best part. Yes, uh, it, it, is, it is amazing. But it's it's this like, yeah, right. People just love making the show. And, and you can tell it shows. Like um, little things like when they, uh, I think we were past the scene already, but like when they go in Star Labs and they just, camera just goes by a 
a, a, a gorilla cage. It says Grod on it. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, you fuckers, if you do Gorilla Grod. <laughs> and spoiler, in later seasons, they do. They just do Gorilla Grod. That happens. If memory serves, they do Grod this season. We just didn't see that. We just skipped that episode. Oh, oh was this, I thought season two. Okay, yeah. Even season, yeah, but they're just like, because like, if you, again, if you're not on board with a talking gorilla, super, super, super genius, not the show for you. It's not even, it didn't even start The Flash. Uh, super genius gorillas or primates started with Superman because that yes. was one of his antagonists. But, so Eddie, as a, as a DC expert on the podcast, <laughs> if I, as a, a normal person listening, and I hear you keep saying Star Labs, and I don't know what it is, what is Star Labs? Um, Star, <laughs> Star Labs is ostensibly a research agency that DC uses for whenever they need civilian super scientists to come and do a thing. What Star Labs actually is, is whatever the writer needs them to be, <laughs> because sometimes they're just a well-meaning group of good old white American scientists doing 50 super science things. Sometimes they're a nefarious corporation trying to destroy the world. And sometimes Grant Morrison gets to write them. And that's just weird. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we've covered all that. In the episode itself, one of the things that I still think is weird, even to this day, even rewatching it now, is that when Joe adopts Barry, Mm-hmm. Which even in the comics, he was adopted by a family friend who like pulled some shenanigans. But Barry and Iris basically being brother and sister and being the love story of the series. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot get past it. If I know it's they're not technically related, but for a decade. I will give this version the very, very slightest uh, benefit of the doubt in the sense that unlike previous versions, they're very clear of not saying that Barry was not adopted. Joe did not adopt Barry. He simply took him in and raised him, but he was never adopted. That's super thin, like technically she turned 18 last week kind of justification. <laughs> um, it, it's still uncomfortable and I don't know why it was kept. But here it is. And, but I think even in the comics, I know, I think I even know in the comics. adopted in the comics. He's adopted in the comics, but it's not by the detective owns the family friend. And Iris is not essentially a sister, but it's someone else he meets. And I just wish that that piece had not been there. And I would have been like a hundred percent on board with the show and all of that. But I I can't get past it in my brain. Like they grew up together. They're sharing the same bat. They're, effectively siblings and and this and this is the thing that i, I think if they had this is a, a structure issue right like they could have kept that set up if they had just said we grew up together we, you know, we were we were friends throughout childhood and a lot of the dialogue does do that but then iris specifically says at least one point in this episode barry's like a brother to me and 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 like if you just never brought the brother sister thing into it, you could have kind of just skated through the other side of that and it been like a little weird, but you could have got through it. But then no, they they have to break it up. It's like this was this was a self foul. You, you you could have made this work, and you just you you made it weird, and there was no reason to make it weird, and you chose that direction to go in. All right, had to say it, had to put it out there. Done. 
Um, but that said, I do also want to point out, um, we talked way back in Deep Space Nine about how you said that there are not very many good role models for black fathers in media. And I would argue that Joe's a pretty decent dad, all things considered. I, I, I agree that he is a, a decent dad. And I use the word decent, not good. No, no, later seasons, it gets weird. <laughs> every Well, every single chance that comes up, all right, we can't tell him about that. We can't tell him about that. And it's that trope in TV I hate, that if you spent 30 seconds talking about something, you resolve an entire season's worth of conflict and issues. I would argue that I can't tell someone about that is basically the entire CW output. <laughs> That's everything, every show they make ultimately hinges on that. So it's a CW show. I, I kind of just, okay, of course they're not going to talk about it. Um, it's like, True, otherwise the, then you wouldn't have supernatural. Right. Exactly. It, it's the supernatural would be over nine seasons ago. If the two brothers <laughs> went to therapy. Right. Um, but I mean, it, it's the same thing as like why in Chris Claremont comics, half the X-Men thought they were dead for like 12 issues because no one could pick up a phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. But Joe is a great father figure and kind of like Dickel though. Joe is also the heart of their show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is something I wanted to touch on is that if you look at the first season of the flash and the first season of arrow, they parallel each other a lot. Mm -hmm. We have um, a father that is more or less out of the picture that is committed a crime or possibly done a crime. Both fathers sort of do that check mark. We've got a mentor S figure that actually turns out to be the villain. Both shows have that. Mm hmm. We've got a troubled friend slash yeah, friend s character that is somewhat of a help, but also a hindrance who is then betrayed and almost killed by the main villain that has some sort of relationship with like familiar relationship with them. We got that here too. So it's like, we have a model for arrow that worked really well. Let's just do it with a flash. And we put our, all of our flash stuff on top of it. Yeah, and I mean, to the point where um, there is a season-long mystery, um, at least the, we think we know the answer about halfway through, there's a pretty strong twist that tells us the answer something else by the end of it, um, uh, and the ultimate villain turns out to be someone that the hero thought he could trust completely. I mean, so there, there's a lot of structural combination there, and again... For the second show, it makes a degree of sense. Like, okay, Arrow's, Arrow works. We need to build off that success. Let's take as much of stuff that we think that works for Arrow and build on that. Um, it, it's 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 not a it's not it's, it's not a complicated formula. Um, what I think works better in this is that unlike Arrow, where we, we talked. I, I really enjoyed Arrow season one. Oliver Queen is by design not meant to be a character you get behind, right? You're always meant to be going, wait a minute, why is he doing that? And then arguably with the flashback things, you're always kind of comparing and contrasting Oliver then, Oliver now, Oliver then, Oliver now. Um, Barry is someone that from the get-go, you should be like, you want to root for him. Uh, and that does, even though the setup is the same, the dynamics end up to me feeling very different as a result of that. 
True, they do. And even to jump ahead a little bit in the episode, because we're just enjoying actually talking about it. But the show itself explicitly tells you that when Barry runs to talk to Oliver mm. and Oliver tells him that you can do something I can't do. Yep. It's like you inspire people. I'm Batman. And then he swings <laughs> over to another building and Barry happily runs back to a city. You have those very different personalities and that makes it a different show in of itself. Yeah. And um, I, again, it's, it's the, it's very, again, you're right. We had the foundation of where it's how the show is now the other way around. Um, and they have a moment that from a plot perspective doesn't need to exist. Right. Ultimately Barry runs 500 miles to have someone. Yeah. I should wear a mask. Thanks Holly. Great. Great job. Um, but what's really happening there is to say, the original show is giving its nod of support to the new show, effectively, and saying, yes, we, we validate this show, um, which I think is good because while, again, we're putting these similarities, pretty quickly these shows become their, each each goes in a different direction. And then arguably Arrow comes back around and it gets weird. We're not there yet. But um, right now, uh, the, Flash is going to go into its own extremely weird directions and so having that validation is good i think uh because it's the is it comfortable are you comfortable are you get it okay cool great now here's time travel <laughs> okay are you on board with time travel okay here here's doppelgangers <laughs> you know i mean it's, it's, it keeps going but it also works and in story-wise because we've established barry while a competent affable and likable person, Barry lacks a certain level of confidence in himself to do things. Yeah. And so running back to where Oliver is to talk to Oliver, who he views as a hero and almost in a mentor S role to get confirmation from that person gives him the bump that he needs because while Joe is a great father figure, Joe is too busy trying to protect his kids blood or not uh, his kids. And so that's constantly putting Barry down. And we've already established with the chief of police has an antagonistic relation with Barry because Barry's always late. Even before right. he got superpowers, he's always late. And so there are all these factors and he needs to get validation from somewhere to believe in himself to be able to do the things that he knows he needs to do. It's a thing of, I know that this is something I'm capable of, but I don't know if I am the right person for it. Right. Uh, as a note, the other thing that's great about this scene is that what Gary gets away from it and what he explicitly says is that I need to wear a mask to protect the people I care about. That is the takeaway from this scene. And I want you to note that because from this point on, Barry cannot fucking keep his mask on. <laughs> if you had a drinking game of The Flash, Barry reveals secret identity would get you drunk alone. <laughs> All right. True, but I give Chris, you he does Barry it three times in the next episode that we cover. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Barry, Barry doesn't really keep his mask on, but he can run fast enough that you potentially couldn't see his face. If we want to get to comic logic, Barry is constantly vibrating in place, so his voice sounds different, and you can never really see his face. So the mask is irrelevant. No, that's reverse flash, Flash's gimmick that we haven't gotten to yet. So another character now, does that. <laughs> now, I, I want to talk about Oliver for a second. 
Oliver tells every single motherfucker on this show, I am Arrow. Hello, I'm Oliver Queen. I'm the Green Arrow. I'm the Green Arrow here. I'm the Green Arrow here. I wear mascara over my eyes. Maybe no one knows that I'm the Green Arrow. He doesn't have super I'm, speed. There isn't an I'm, arrow of forget I'm Green Arrow. I am not saying Oliver Queen is exempt from this. I'm saying that Oliver Queen is a is a garbage wreck of a human being. I mean, like he he by his own admission is not a a, a good or well person. Barry Allen should ostensibly know better because he works for the police department. <laughs> He's a forensic scientist for the police department. Uh, there's, there's a difference. We know from watching. So, folks, as you can if tell. You say CSI, we've already, I'm quitting this podcast right now. <laughs> we've already watched one version of The Flash. This is really, really similar to that version of The Flash. Yes. But we get a breakdown in the 90s version of Flash about how police and forensic scientists are vastly different, even though they both work for the police department. Right. So... We could go back to that one where Barry's father in the 90s tells him that, son, you're not a real cop, <laughs> and, and deal with that. Or we just establish that Barry is someone that needs emotional support. He knows he needs emotional support, and he goes to his emotional support, which is unfortunately a dumpster fire of a person, but a great vigilante. Um, random aside, but something I, I can't unsee now, because um, uh, the way that they built the Flash suit in, in real life and TV show um, is actually not flexible. It's just like kind of hard rubber. So whenever he goes to pull his mask back, he will, he'll reach the lip of it. And then the camera will always cut away and come back to him putting the hood down because he's actually wearing a completely different costume at that point. And when he does it so often, you can't unsee the constant cutaway of, you never actually see Barry pull his mask off. It's always a cutaway before it comes back to him. Have you already taken his mask off? Well, like, can't do how Michael Keaton did when he did it. It's like, rip it off. Like, <laughs> so, as as we are spot on this episode. Um, we still have two episodes to go. The introduction of Cisco and Caitlin, I think, is excellent for the show. Yep. And the Wells dynamic. That is what makes it vastly different from the 90s versus the show. Because you have three different characters that he has to work off of. And you have, the at first, the thought that... They're responsible for what happened, hands down. But they want to be friendly, and you have the different personalities going through them all. And I'm not going to lie. I, Cisco is my favorite character out of the bunch of them, like hands down. Oh, yeah. When I first saw it, even when I see it now. And I'm even watching Cisco's new show that's on Hulu uh, up there, It's which you may not like because it's a comedy, but it's it's a musical comedy show. I don't uh, think okay. you love musicals, I remember, right? I'm not, I'm, I'm not a huge fan, no. But it is it is good to see Cisco with doing other work. No, but I'm yeah, I'm with you. Like I always like Cisco because he's he's so obviously the the audience surrogate character. Um, but they never make him the butt of the joke, and that's a very good line to walk. Right? It's it's the he's enthusiastic, and he's excited to live in a world where superheroes exist. But nobody, well, the show does not belittle him for being enthusiastic. Characters may occasionally do that, um, and that's fine. That's interesting dynamics. But like, usually when he's making a a reference about someone being cool or giving them their superhero name, he's almost always right. And to the point where he, it becomes a running gag that he christens people. But it's it's he's just he wants everything to work out well, and have and having Barry have someone that is just 
unambiguously on his side really helps the dynamic. Because Arrow, just to be blunt, nobody's on Ollie's side. Ollie's not even arguably on Ollie's side for half the show. It's not until much later when he gets a proper, when Diggle and Felicity are properly behind him. That takes a while. But day one, he's always got at least Cisco in his corner. And that's, that's, a, that, of, that's a really good dynamic. Part of that, though, could be the fact that equivalently, the characters are supposed to be about the Arrow characters are a little older, like a decade or 15 years older than what the Flash characters are. Sure. So they have been tempered more by the realities of life than what the Flash crew has. And the closest we have, the Flash crew being tempered by life is going to be Caitlin, who has lost a fiance from the explosion and is sort of in a darker place, mm-hmm. which also brings up one of the most cringy scenes in this entire show for me. Which one? Not as bad as Iris and Barry being siblings. Almost. Um, when they're so Cisco and the crew all go out to test Barry's speed when he comes back. And he basically tells Caitlin, Hey, you should smile. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you've got a a a dude telling a woman to smile. Because you don't smile enough. You should put a smile on your face. Cringed then. I cringe now thinking about it, even saying it. Yeah, I, I kind of actually blanked that scene on my memory, but you're right. It, it, it's it's genuinely like, hey, so your fiance died, but you should smile more. Bad move, Grinch. Um, Let's go. One of the things that I enjoyed about the first couple episodes of the show is that it shows when Barry's running so fast, his clothes are burning. Like it's a it's a yes. small, nice, nuanced touch that is quickly forgotten and lost because he runs around even without the super suit. But the suit itself that is built is for season suits right yeah it's 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 okay um but again it does it, it, again cisco kind of acts as the way into the superhero logic of like why is it in the shape of a thunderbolt because it's cool there's no reason given chris cisco thinks it's cool that is the beginning middle and end of why he has a yellow thunderbolt in his chest all right we're, we're running along so i, I will right. hurry up is there anything else you want to touch on about the pilot um the wells twist Right. Um, it bugs me a bit because disabled people being evil is a long running trope. Uh, and people faking disability to get attention is also a trope. So to have both of them center in one person really kind of sucked. Um, but I will say the show does a, goes a long way to explain why this is. And it's a lot more than it appears at first. But certainly, this almost killed the show for me the first time I watched it. I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, look, the table guy is really evil. He's actually disabled. Oh, that's great. Um, uh, but all is not what it appears to be. I stuck with it. Um, and it does get better. But I wanted to spell out. It's like, this pilot is certainly rough around the edge. We've pointed out a lot of things where like it's not aged well. It, it, it's stumbling a bit. Um, but I think the good outweighs the bad. Hands down. Uh, and we can't forget that Joe saves Barry and also knows that Barry has superpowers. Like that is the key takeaway also from the show. Is so that he, unlike Barry's father in the old original series, well, original, in the 90s version, who doesn't know he's a superhero, you have the father figure here knowing he has superpowers and is equivalently his sidekick, kind of how Diggle is Ollie's sidekick. I just did some math. Did you realize that 
1990 show to the 2007 show is seven is 17 years. 2007 to now is 15 years. So it's almost been by this logic. We should have a flash show in two years. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> Uh, I must. I, I wouldn't mind seeing like a, a Wally West show. Yeah, totally. Speaking right. of which, though, I th- I think personality wise, if we talk about Barry, Be- Barry Allen has Barry's history, but has Wally's personality. Oh, agreed, agreed. Um, and I think that's more common as the retcons keep coming up, because I think lots of people like Barry Allen's backstory, but like Wally West's personality, particularly after the success of the um, Justice League cartoon. Hmm. All right, season one, episode nine, The Man in the Yellow Suit. The yellow-suited speedster who killed Nor Allen returns in search of Mercury Lab's tachyon particle technology. Barry encounters the reverse flash and engages him, but is swiftly defeated. With the villain insinuating that he and Barry had a lifelong, are lifelong enemies. Ronnie, uh, a.k.a. Caitlin's dead fiance, uh, is revealed as a flame-controlling metahuman Firestar. suffering from memory loss after having survived the explosion per henry's advice barry confesses his love for iris before the tachyon particle technology is used as bait to lure the reverse flash into a trap the villain manages to escape however and proceeds to attack wells and the police mysteriously sparing eddie before engaging in engaging in barry again ronnie appears and fins off the reverse flash before they both flee the scene Joe tells Eddie about metahumans and asks him to help ask him to keep it a secret. Cisco reveal realizes that there were two speedsters in Barry's house that night. Nora died later. Wells enters his secret room and reveals the reverse fly suit in a hidden chamber. Well, places the stolen tachyon device on it and speaks in the villainous speedsters desert distorted voice, revealing himself to be the reverse flash. Dun, dun, dun. So to recap, we are now nine episodes in. People who know Barry Allen as the Flash <laughs> is Wells, Cisco, Caitlin, Joe, Joe's partner. <laughs> Joe's partner does not know yet. Oh, okay. No, sorry. He just knows that metahumans exist. Sorry. Yes. Fair, but still. Uh, okay, then, then, then this will. It's episode seventeen, then, uh, where he reveals his identity three freaking times. Um, now, not not to to like poo poo that as it's it's basic that Barry Allen came back nine months ago. The Flash appe- Barry Allen's in a coma and then woke up, and within two days, the Flash appears. Right. Barry hangs out at Star Labs. The Flash keeps running out of Star Labs. Right. I mean, I'm not a super scientist, but. If only there was some kind of job where you looked at criminal trends and came to conclusions. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying. Uh, um, but I mean, this is a, a very straightforward, let's progress the plot story, right? Like this is the, the season long plot of reverse flash. Um, and uh, again, it's the, Harrison Wells' evil story has, has taken its next logical step, um, which is that we now know that uh, Wells is actually Reverse Flash. And that Reverse Flash had something to do with Barry's mother's death. Uh, but what's interesting is how long the show waits to... Like, the very first episode, it's like, 
There's a newspaper of 2024. Time travel is involved. But then the show takes a long time to get back to that. It's like a lots of characters are like, he killed my mother. So that's him again. So he must have, you know, like no one ever put together that like, see, he went backwards in time to get this, right? It, it's interesting how the show waits a really long time to, to get into the time travel groove, even though it set up that time travel thing, episode one. But really though, if you, even if there were superpowers that existed and you were a speedster, what is your first thought is that something that happened for you, what, 10, 14 years ago, was someone traveled back in time to make it happen? I mean, yes, but I also watch a lot of Doctor Who, so. So yeah. It, I'm, not, that I'm, not saying, willing... I'm not saying the character, I'm not saying it took the characters a long time to get there. I'm saying it took the show a long time okay. to get there. Um. Uh, it, it 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 set things up and then it took a while to actually pay off that promise. Um, and so when I was first watching it, I was like, I know the, the Flash does time travel stuff, but I was actually engaged in the, okay, did Reverse Flash kill his mom back in his day and then has come back, right? I, I thought the thing that all the characters thought of, which is like, for some reason, the serial killer killed Barry's mom and then just laid low for 20 some years and then came back. Um, now they know that he goes back in time. I watched it again and it's like, it seems really obvious to me, which I suppose is a, the mark of good writing where it did the mm-hmm. first time around, it didn't seem obvious to me. And now going back, it seems, Oh, the pieces were all there. So I'm bringing this up not to criticize so much as to say, it's actually structured a lot like a mystery, which the arrow season wasn't. The arrow mm. season was just random twists. This is more, <laughs> the pieces are actually all there. And when you go back and watch it, it's, it seems really obvious because you know the answer. But when I first watched it, I didn't think I knew the answer nearly as well as I did this, on this rewatch. I can't speak to it, but part of me thinks they might have actually brought in some comic book writers to either help them write part of the season or some way as like consultants. Jeff, Jeff Johns was the producer on it, it. And Jeff Johns wrote The Flash in the early 2000s. So I, I, that's absolutely true. Yeah. That. Which I don't think Arrow had. I don't think so. I think you're right. But again, the first Flash show you watch also had comic book writers on it. So, Which is also why I think it worked so well and still mostly holds up today. Yeah, yeah. Reverse Flash. What, what do you think of Reverse Flash? Not the Wells part, but the character itself, Reverse Flash. I, I don't know why he's called Reverse Flash. The show has never explained it to me. Like I don't, I have not done research to find out why this is. Um, I thought maybe it was like a bizarro thing because like it's yellow, red transposed. But um, the show never really explains where the reverse flash designation comes from. Or maybe we missed that episode uh, on the rewatch, and it, it was explained at one point. But because it just seems like he's just Flash. <laughs> it's like he also has superpowers. I don't see the reverse part of it. We can't call um, him opposite Flash or evil Flash. Nega Flash. Uh, but I do like, to, to, to your earlier point, there is a common trope of Flash can vibrate his face really fast. That's how you can't see him. And I actually like the special effect they do for this and how, how they do the voice for him that way. Uh, and the fact they just so consistently keep doing it. Um, it's It's just a nice, cool touch in a way to kind of obfuscate the, the character's identity in a interesting way. Okay. And do you, did you recognize the scientist 
from Mercury Labs. Oh, um, yes, uh, uh, Amanda Pace. Mm-hmm. With the second cameo that we're going to have. Which was a nice callback to the 90s show, too. Yep, yep, yep. Now I was like, and, and for a second, I was like, is that the same character? And they're like, no, but she's still playing a scientist. So it, it, it's, it's, it's much like Barry's dad. It's not quite the same character, but it's close enough. Um, so, you know, I, I really dug that. And it was, special effects aside, at the time, I think they were as good as they could be for TV. But the fight between the flashes was nice to see. And the fact that you have a villain who is more powerful that is sitting around to beat the hero, to taunt the hero before going on about their business. It's, mm-hmm. it's a small trope thing, but it's a trope that is underplayed. And it's something that should be used more often, I think. Yeah. And and to the point uh, about the fight, again, the fact that Reverse Flash doesn't go after Eddie. Um, and the show mentions it. It's very clear what happens, but it doesn't make a big deal about it. And it's not until, you know, eight episodes later that we find out why that is. Um, so, again, it's actually structures a mystery really well because all the clues are there. Uh, as we're running very long and I'm trying to cut time yeah. now. Let's just jump right any to other the comments? Sure. Uh, any other comments about episode nine? Uh, nope. I think we jump right to the next one. Okay. Um, actually, my, my other comment is I like the fact that the realization there were two flashes there comes from Cisco. And it I like that it came from Cisco, but it should either come from Cisco or Caitlin being how smart they are and them having constant contact with Barry and having heard Barry's story. Like that's a mm-hmm. nice little reinforcement of the secondary cast. Agreed. Yep. Season one, episode 17 tricksters Barry and Joe go after the terrorist Axel Walker under the alias trickster. Walker sets a diversion for the flash and breaks James Jesse, the original trickster from 20 years prior out of prison. Jesse and Walker attempt to extort patrons of a fundraiser by poisoning them and ransoming the antidote. When the Flash arrives, Jesse and Walker fit him with a bomb that will detonate if he stops moving. (laughs) Thawne coaches Barry on how to vibrate his molecules so that he can phase through objects, which removes the bomb. Afterward, Barry provides an antidote to all the patrons before capturing Jesse and Walker. The Flash reveals his identity to Eddie and convinces him to keep Iris from investigating Mason's disappearance. Barry tells Eddie and J- Eddie and Joe, ah. Barry tells Eddie and Joe that Wells is the Reverse Flash. In flashbacks, after failing to kill Barry, the Reverse Flash escapes, only to lose his speed. Gideon informs him that traveling through time has drained his powers. Thawne kills Harrison Wells and steals his appearance and identity so he can develop the particle accelerator sooner and return to his timeline. And one of the things I liked about this episode, well, I mean, we'll get to the obvious reason why I like this episode, but to start off, um, because the the flashbacks are actually structured throughout the episode. Um, And unlike a certain show I could mention, it only lasts this one episode, not five seasons. But the fact is there's a great pre-credits twist where we see that scene again where his mother gets killed. Reverse Flash runs away. He takes his mask off, and it's not Wells. 
And, and then like, wait it. a minute. Wait a minute. The show's been telling me this is Wells. What's going on? And then throughout this whole episode, all those plot points start to fall into place. But they're structured with the, the, the flashback so well. The flashback almost immediately plays, pays off a lingering plot thread through this otherwise ludicrously fun caper. It is incredibly well written from like start to finish. And with so many nods, nods to the original series and yet progressing their own plot and revealing vital clues for us as the audience. Beautiful. Beautiful. Right. Um, and pretty quickly, um, we, we, Jesse James or James Jesse gets introduced pretty quickly. So here's our third cameo, Mark Hamill playing the exact same character. You know, I, I had to choose this episode, right? There is like no question yes, no. whatsoever. No, no. And, and so this, this sets up an interesting moment. Like, uh, uh, okay, so first of all, let me start by saying that I think canon is stupid. Just the idea of a rigorous canon fiction is ultimately a ludicrous intellectual exercise. But James Jesse, it, the way he's written is not incompatible with the original Flash TV show. And the footage they have of him when he was committing crimes originally comes from that show. So it's the, is this in canon with the original Flash show that at one point in time the Flash is written out of continuity that we forgot the Flash and the Flash came back, but Barry Allen looks different. So it's like, it can't possibly be the same show, but the, sh the show is like, but what if it was? You explain it, nerds. That's not our problem. <laughs> I am going to vigorously disagree with you. I think canon is a brilliant, beautiful thing and construct that should always be instituted and used. Like, oh, unequivocally. But canon has flexibility for a good writer. Like, you can have something still fall within your canon if you're a good writer and you can make minor tweaks and changes throughout it. But that then means having a full understanding of the history of what you're working in and on. And the people, as you've already said, they love that original Flash show. And so they took kept that in mind when they're creating this new canon. And with comics, it could easily be that this is a parallel Earth. This is like Earth 4. Uh, for Marvel, this is like our 618 instead of 616. Right. Little mm -hmm. things like that that still make it coherent and overlapping. Right. And in later seasons of The Flash, even more so when you have like all these same characters from same actors from different Earths coming as different people. Yeah, no, I, I, I bring us up. I, I do want to actually, somebody I would love to actually have to talk to you about, about canon because I think that we do agree more and disagree, but mm -hmm. I, 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 I think we're similar perspectives. But more importantly, I also bring it up because it's funny. Mm -hmm. And the Arrowverse does play with this a lot later because at a certain point, I don't know if we're going to cover it or not, but at a certain point, everything DC has ever made becomes part of the Arrowverse. And it's audacious. <laughs> it's it's amazing it. at how audacious they are at that point. You have different versions of Black Canary. You have one that's Laurel from another Earth that shows mm -hmm. up. Stuff like that. So it's... And like you may not have seen The Last of Tommy. I'm just saying. Right. But it's, it's more to the point that like... Fun continuity discussion aside, the bigger point is this is a big arrow pointing to the fact these guys or sorry this guy this crew loves the original flash show because they didn't need to bring mark hamill back for the trickster 
They didn't need to find footage from the original Flash and bring it back in. They didn't need to write the show in a way that the original continuity of the Flash could possibly have existed. They did it because it's like, that would be fun for us. How many of how much do you want to bet that they wrote it and then when it, when it started, they showed up on set so Mark Hamill would sign stuff for them? <laughs> probably. Probably. I completely believe that. It's like, hey, since you're in this glass cube that you can't get out of because that's the prison du jour of all superhero movies ever, <laughs> um, while you're here, could you sign these for the career? That'd be great. And knowing Mark, he probably absolutely did it. All right. So the episode itself, gushing aside. Um they I, I enjoyed it, but uh, some of the subplots in it were a little bit painful. Oh no, the the sub the, the stuff relating to the the overall like season long arc, some of that's really rough. But the actual like trickster stuff in it is just straight silver age. Like almost Batman sixties <laughs> nonsense, right? All right, so I, I have to go to this part. They're at the fundraiser. They poisoned a lot of folks. Yes. The flash shows up. It stops moving long enough for them to literally put a bomb on him. Yes. A. Yes. What? Ex- right. Explain to me how that works with super speed. He perceives things incredibly quickly. Well, Chris, as we established at the beginning of the episode, super speed is a finite resource you've run out of. Canon's so important, Chris. You have to respect Canon, Chris. <laughs> the the only thing this episode was missing, sorry, two things this episode was missing, was someone trying to grab a pool cue and the Flash taking them one by one, or the Flash spitting a pool ball into a bar counter. That is all this episode was missing. Yes. <laughs> yes. And the, the, the fact they not only rip off Speed the movie, but... James Jesse points out the fact he's ripping off Speed the movie. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, so and, good. But it also did something that else I really, really love that I even commented on when we first watched The Flash is it gave us a rough barometer of Barry speed. I don't think many other things yeah. have done it. They did in the first episode, but now it's like you have to run at this pace or else it blows up. And you get the fact mm. that Barry's running it, but he's tired he's running it. And so it shows that it's like around his maximum speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it said Until, it was 500 miles an hour. I think it was like 600, but yeah, and I, I think the speed of sound is what, 720 mile, or 720 or 770 miles per hour? Sure. I'll just trust you blindly on that. That's never gone badly <laughs> for me. Very few times. Um, so <laughs> that was like nice to see, which then you have the realization from Barry as he's running that Wells is reverse flash because just from how he's describing the running to him to get him to run yep. faster and saying his constant iconic line, run faster, Barry all the time. Like, But, but again, it, it, it's, it's, we're in this kind of goofy caper and Barry realizes Wells is reverse flash. But again, the bit in the episode, the guy who took off his mask was not Wells. So it's, it's structured really well because it, the audience going, but wait a minute, that's not the information I was told earlier. So while Barry thinks he's solved the problem, we as the audience are actually more confused. 
And it's a right, mm-hmm. nice little moment of resonance where like we're sucked in more because Barry thinks he's closer to the answer and realize we're actually further away from it. It's, it's, it's a really cool pacing moment. And then, of course, the episode does explain it relatively quickly. So we're not kept in suspense too long because it's not that kind of show. We're not doing Twin Peaks here. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it gets resolved pretty fast. But it, it, it's a nice way to keep you engaged. And it's a nice way to kind of bounce back and forth. I think having the tr- a Trickster episode was a really good balance for this heavy continuity episode. Because the two tones balance each other really well. Mm-hmm. What? So, what did you think of the superpower bearing now being able to phase through objects? So, on the one hand, it's grab bag, speak, do anything. But also, for me at least, my limited reading of the Flash—that's kind of the ones I've always associated with them—is like, at some point in time, Barry Allen gets the ability to phase through objects because that's just. What he, at some point in time, he gets the power to travel through time if he runs fast enough. There's just certain things that, like, he just most Flash incarnations have of the ludicrous power grab bag. Um, so it was fun for me to see that, even though why his molecules phase and the things that he's wearing doesn't, even though his uniform phases through, but the bomb doesn't. Okay, whatever. Yeah, sure. All right. That, that just works that way, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but really, would you want the Flash to show up naked everywhere after that? Well, I mean, he, he does have good abs, as we've established in episode one, so... Well, that's what lightning does to everybody, though. <laughs> Keeps you abs. This podcast, the journalist podcast, does not at all endorse anyone going out to be struck by lightning. No, do not get struck <laughs> by lightning to get abs. You will not get abs. You will just get dead. <sighs> Felt like I needed to state that suddenly. I don't know why. The journalist legal department is very underfunded. <laughs> Much like our social media department. <laughs> Anything? Ah. The most important part about the episode. So when they go to resolve it, you get a glimpse of well the the actual Wells, his wife, how happy they are together, like this vision of the future they're going to have. And this may seem like a, a random minor beat here, but in as Wells is a part of the show that doesn't go away. Like as a spoiler, they bring Wells from other Earths constantly into the show. Oh yeah. And it is a ongoing thing. And the Wells and that little glimpse of a vision that you have is the happiest Wells that there will be. Right. It's all, it's all downhill from there. <laughs> the fact that his story ends on the cusp of something great by a villain from the flash that steals his entire life and everything else is an unbelievably tragic. If you think about it, having seen the rest of the show. Yeah. And ultimately he gets killed because Thawn wants to get home a little faster. It's not even like a radical change, like maybe cut five years off his timeline. It's not a big shift. So it's kind of for nothing. Uh, but that villain's shows got a you villain. Not. Exactly. Thawne's that kind of villain. Thawne is just unhinged. Um, and it's, Again, it's an emotional whiplash because you've been built up to think that Wells is this villain. Again, episode one, something's wrong with Wells. And so for 17 episodes, building up Wells is bad, Wells is bad, Wells is bad, Wells is bad. And the end of this episode, it's like, oh my God, Wells, that's so horrible, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's, it's a really fantastic lead. And again, also pays off the, oh, Eddie Thawne, this is another Thawne. 
that's why Eddie was because if Eddie gets hurt or killed, then this Thawn won't exist because time travel stuff. Um, that little bit from episode nine gets paid off here. So again, it's really well kind of, it's almost, um, I'll say Dr. Who, but that, that's the exact opposite of what I'm talking about. Um, it's more uh, like Back me, to the Future. Yeah, where it's like all the pieces do actually pay off or even Bill and Ted's in a much funnier way, but Bill and Ted's also all the pieces of Bill and Ted's do ultimately pay off that kind of intricate time travel story. It's, it's established here and it's, it's particularly good because the flash does not tell you it's time travel story for quite a few episodes, as I mentioned earlier. So like it's a, it's a, it's a mystery and it's established like a mystery, but it's actually a time travel story that you don't know it's time travel story until you're already in it. Um, so there's a lot of layers it's happening on. So it's surprising on some level. Again, when you watch it back, it's like, I felt like it got there faster. Uh, so that's why I was like mentioning earlier. It's like, why is it still kind of in this space? But I, I'm now, as we're talking through, realizing it's because they're really taking their time to make sure every single piece is laid just so. So that way, when everything kicks into high gear, the audience is going, I should have seen that coming. And that's exactly the reaction you want. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts about the trickster episode? Um, not a fan of trickster 2.0. Nah, it was, it was more of a, a prop so we could get back Mark Hamill. Right. Um, and you know, I respect him for helping Mark out, but not my trickster hashtag, not my trickster. <laughs> if, if anyone wants to, to tweet that at us or social media that <laughs> us, feel free to do so. And maybe yes. we'll have an entire episode about the trickster an actual sure. comic accurate episode. I may have, I may have to actually read some comics, of the trickster in it. Now, you know, I'm thinking we could do a whole mix of the uh, trickster and the clockwork King. Now the clockwork King is a character that got way better in the car than the animated series. Um, actually, uh, have you watched any of the Brave and the Bold, Batman the Brave and the Bold cartoon? Not in a long time. Because Clock King is amazing in that. Uh, but the, if those didn't know the Brave and the Bold cartoon was is very much Silver Age Batman done as a modern cartoon. Um, and so it's leaning into stuff like Dino Mutt shows up. I mean, it's it's, it's that ludicrous. Had uh, the Royal Flush Gang too, right? Yeah, the Royal Flush Gang. Yes! Uh, Calendar Man. Uh, I mean, it, it's leaning into that part of Batman stuff that's nowhere near the Dark Knight stuff. Uh, but Clock King is in that, and Clock King is is amazing. There's a very different Clock King in the original animated series, but the Clock King in, in Brave and the Bold is just like straight up, guy's got a clock for a face and pajamas with clocks on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, any No final questions or anything about the Tricks episode. I have a question for you, though. Sure. What is your opinion of Flash and the constant time travel shenanigans that they get into and the repercussions they cause? I generally like it, but I mean, again, we're both fans of Doctor Who. So, I mean, I think, I think time travel shenanigans are kind of in our wheelhouse to a degree. Um, my limited reading of the comics, uh, it seems like they go to that well an awful lot. Uh, and this show after this season goes back to that well an awful lot, mm-hmm. um, especially considering at some point in the future, we'll talk about the actual time travel show that is also set in this continuity. Uh, so it, 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 it's, it's a bit of too much of a good thing, I think, for me at times. Uh, but this season, is it? I think, is just the right amount. 
it's it's the there's a lot of weird stuff that happens. Time travel is a factor. Eventually, we do travel in time, and then we use flashbacks to explain some bits that were kind of unclear before. I think that is all good. Um, I just think Flash has more tricks in his bag than time travel, and sometimes he goes back that well a little too often. I'm pretty much in the same boat. For me, I just wish that there was more of a cost to it. Kind of how Superman in the old Superman movies would could fly around the globe and spend time backwards without <laughs> yes. an actual cost associated with it. I feel like there needs to be some sort of impetus or like one rare element that lets you do X or Y. Even even for the Flash, maybe something they had to run on, say a cosmic treadmill or something <laughs> like that that had to be specifically powered to have it go back in time instead of just being, oh, I'll run a little bit faster today and whoop, I'll be next week. And again, the comics are inconsistent on this. At one point in time, there was one where Barry Allen literally died uh, by going back in time. Um, and Wally West had to kind of carry on after him. This is not the crisis death. This is a different Wally West or, or Barry Allen. This death. wasn't the one where they're chasing the bullet that got fired back in time, was it? I think so, yeah. Um, so every once in a while, they, they, they bring in the costs of it. But you're right, it's... it's the only reason why Barry doesn't do time travel more often is that the plot doesn't require him to do it more often. There's no reason for him to kind of just like, you know, I'm bored. I'm just going to go back to last week and get some lotto numbers. There's no reason why he can't do that. So then my, my last big flash question for you, who is your favorite flash based on personality and who is your favorite flash based on aesthetics? So uh, a two part actor or character character. Cause um, if we're going to say actor, it would be John Wesley ship. Yeah, I mean, honestly. Um, Honestly, I've always been a fan of of Wally West uh, for both. Um, Well, I should say for the aesthetics part, Wally West as Flash, not Wally West as Kid Flash because Kid Flash got awful. Uh, But um, Wally West's, when he's written right, is that kind of, he's the Spider-Man of the DC universe. He's the everyman Mm -hmm who's just an average Joe trying to get by and just try to have a good life with his sister slash wife and, you know, get by. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You brought this up. So we're going to Pandora's box. Uh, uh, But um, Barry in the comics is always a bit too kind of straight laced in that kind of old silver age style. Um, Again, over time, they, they blur and mensch, but I mean, I was like Wally because Wally had a very long arc of figuring out how to be a superhero. Like there was a point I remember in uh, Justice League Europe in the comics where he was just a jerk because he was 19 years old and the fastest man alive and goes, why can't I make money off of my career? You know, why, why can't I just have any woman I want? And, you know, after Power Girl punched him a few times, he realized, oh, maybe I shouldn't be like this. You know, he got better. But um, Wally always felt human to me in a way that Barry feels sometimes a little kind. This version of Barry I like a lot better, but the classic version of Barry is a little He's Wally. Of, he's basically right. If you talk about it, he's basically Wally. Um, my favorite Wally West moment, though, to prove how every man he is, is there's an episode of um, a Justice League Unlimited where he changes places with Lex Luthor. And Lex Luthor's in Flash's body, and he goes, says, I can finally find out who the Flash is. And he pulls off his mask and looks in the mirror and goes, I have no idea who this is. <laughs> and I'm like, that is just perfect Wally West. Because he takes his mask off and nobody cares. 
which is good because he takes his mask off all the time. <laughs> all right, as, as we're we're wrapping up for me, then my favorite one personality wise is going to be Wally West because yep. I grew up watching Justice League, and like that is mm-hmm. that is my Flash, kind of how John Stewart is my Green Lantern because yep, I grew same. up watching Justice League. Uh, for aesthetics, though, hands down, every single time, Jay Garrick. I love the helmet. Really? I love the look. I, I, I love that aesthetic. I, it's one of the reasons why I read Justice League, com- not Justice League, but Justice Society comics, is I liked the retro vibe of a lot of the costumes the characters were wearing. I'll be, I mean, it's not my favorite, but I agree that the JSA is genuinely an underappreciated uh, uh, comic, frankly. Um, but also, you're right, yeah, that kind of retro vibe and older men trying to survive in a modern world. I just dig some of that that stuff. Um, also, the JSA is a really good comic for the legacy stuff. They bring in a lot of the second and third people to use a name and train them under that. Um, but it's interesting. I, I never really grooved to Jay Garrick either aesthetically or character-wise, so I may have to rethink that. That's, that's an interesting observation. But spot on about the justice side. And that's where we have like the new Mr. Terrific. That's where they have star girl. They have like all these next generation of people taking over mantles, which in case people didn't know, Mr. Terrific used to be an old white dude who was just good at stuff. Yep. Unlike the new Mr. Terrific. That's a black, like the smart, like the second or third smartest person, the DC universe owns a massive company that builds. And he did power girl for a while. But honestly, I mean, I mean, I, I say he's Black Tony Stark, but he's also better than Tony just about every possible way in terms of character. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I mean, I, I love the new Mistrific, but also, yeah, I mean, it's 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 stuff like um like Wildcat. I love Wildcat because he's just a boxer. <laughs> um, not not that Wildcat's. Wildcat but from Wildcat wasn't just a boxer. Wildcat. If, if memory serves, was cursed by a witch to have nine lives. And Wildcat get out and fought with his nine lives and now just has one. <laughs> so yes, that happens. <laughs> we don't talk about that. So Wildcat I, I could trained talk Batman on... to box, damn it. Respect him. <laughs> I, I could talk for a while about Justice Society because they, they are kooky <laughs> and corny and yet I still love them. Yes. All right. But we've gone on a long time now. So, Eddie, what are we going to do next time? Are we going to finally, finally go back and do Mulholland Drive? No, no. So yeah, we, we, we're never going to watch that movie. I mean, I don't know. I've never actually watched it. I may, I may enjoy it. But um, no, instead, we're going to continue on with uh, Supergirl, which is the CW show that was not originally a CW show. It was actually a CBS show. So we're going to watch the first season, which was actually the CBS season and has an amazing CW burn in it, which in retrospect is a bit awkward. Um, but uh, I'll start with season one, episode one pilot, as always. Uh, then we're going to go to episode 16, which is Falling, and episode 18, World's Finest, which is the Flash crossover episode. We do like our crossovers. We do like our crossovers. If And you can find that on, sorry, you can find, real quick, you can find it in Netflix in the US and now in the UK. I thought you said you could find it then. Boom! I'll be here all week. I don't know week. why I'm here. You'll be here by yourself all week. Tip your tip your podcasters. All right. Um, <laughs> if people are looking for you out in the world, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me um, endlessly suffering on the Darker Hue Discord. Uh <laughs> 
And he's Chris is just nodding in agreement with me. Um, no, but otherwise, you can find me at uh, pugsteady.com on my website, P-U-G-S-T-A-D-Y, or on Twitter, or on uh, Mastodon as Pugsteady. Um, Mastodon, I'm on Pugsteady at Dice Camp. If you're looking for me, you can find me in the Dark Crew Discord, trying to have conversations, mostly with myself, that forcing Eddie occasionally likes. And if he does say something, then I taunt him with uh, Betrock the Leaper from Marvel. Or you can find me on Twitter at Dark Underscore Hugh. You can find me on Macedon at DHS. Uh, if you want to buy my stuff, you can go to my website. If you want to support me, you can go to Harlem Unbounding on Patreon. And I charge three bucks for every item I drop. And I drop secret podcast. I drop random history bits. And on rare occasions, I drop mechanics for other systems. Yeah, and if you like this nonsense, uh, we have done a special just for Patreon episodes. And we may do more of them, so... If it's worth three bucks, I think it's worth three bucks. I think so. But either way, any last comments for our, our listeners? I'm the fastest man alive. Do you do you want to take your shot at this before we go? <laughs> nope.